What's up, everybody? This is Chef Marcus Samson and Jason Diakite, and we are This Moment. And thank you for always tuning in to This Moment, the transatlantic bridge between Stockholm, Sweden, and Harlem. And this one is special, guys. This is our first live show here in New York City, and we want to always bring you the best, most authentic, most incredible conversations. So we went out to no other than DJ Stretch Armstrong. What DJ Stretch Armstrong and Bobito meant to the hip-hop scene in the 90s, you know, it's kind of hard to explain because they really opened it up, right? Everybody that was anybody in hip-hop came to their radio show to get their album, their song released there first, whether it was Nas, Biggie, Tupac, Jay-Z, you name it, Wu-Tang, they all came through. So we want to talk to DJ Stretch Armstrong about hip-hop in the golden area, how to go alternative, and how to evolve within music and how the scene has evolved. This is This Moment. Check it out. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Without further ado, give a big hand to DJ Stretch Armstrong. Nice. Good evening. Stretch. Yo, yo, yo. It's good to have you on, man. I, w- I want to know right away, out from the gate, because you have such a beautiful name, right? Adrian Bartos is incredible. Like, that's a state <laughs> name by itself. That's your real name? Yeah. So where is Stretch and who's Armstrong? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like, it, uh, so Adrian Armstrong, like, no, no, no. The yeah. whole thing is just fake. Um <laughs> Yeah, when I got on the radio uh, in 1990, I was already playing in clubs. But yeah, what's up? Like, I need yeah. a name. And there's a there's a tradition of uh, of hip hop DJs taking on the names of superheroes and comic book characters. Yeah, so Clark Kent. If you're tall and you walk through a black neighborhood in New York or probably probably anywhere, anywhere in America, they're gonna call some dude's gonna yeah. some old old timer's gonna call yes. you Stretch. Yes. So people exactly. did call me Stretch. Slim could have also or been Slim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slim. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's the name. Uh, yeah, Adrian Bartos. I mean, that, like, that's not going to work for doing a hip-hop show in 1990. Like, I love it. might it. work now. Now, 2021, yeah, it would work yeah. perfectly. Now, now yeah, that'd yeah, be yeah, great, yeah, but yeah. it's too late. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. But, but thank you it, for... No one's ever told me you have a really beautiful oh, name. it's stunning. I mean, like, I'm like, whoa. It stunning. Is, it's like a movie yeah. star name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's blushing. He's yeah. blushing. But the other cool thing is I love all of those old picture going back because it's basically Jason's and my life put in reverse, right? So in all the pictures I have from growing up, I'm the only black kid. And most of Jason's pictures, he's the only black kid. Right. 
and your pictures are the reverse because you're in it and you're feeling it and all the kids love you and he all of a sudden there's this tall dude just like slamming the boards and everything and you're in it so yeah. we lived the same experience in two different countries yours probably much cooler than ours <laughs> but still kind of like the odd one out right or not yeah i mean by the time i was like doing it like being in clubs and, and doing all that like i i had been so uh kind of socially acclimated to to believing that the world either was or should be multicultural and that's because of how i was raised that's the school i went to that's who my parents were i mean my mom my mom was a, a white eastern european woman um and you know eastern europe in the mid 20th century is a you know it's a weird place it's you're, yeah. it's behind the iron curtain Russia, it's not multicultural yeah. at all and then she i don't think it's is to this day no but, no no i mean it's it's uh, i mean more more absolutely i mean like poland has like a hip hop scene and and um you know i i don't, I don't know what the polish immigration situation is but you know my mom was basically brought to new york uh by my father they got married like six weeks after meeting each other they didn't really speak the same language i mean it's a crazy story yeah. and they beautiful and, and they kept they stayed married for 40 years yes um but she your dad's was american what's that yeah, your dad my dad's a new yorker yeah, okay yeah. okay and uh you know i went to a school called manhattan country school which yes, still exists it's one of the it's a school that that educators from all over the country still look to for uh for ideas for inspiration on how to be socially progressive they've got a, a sliding scale tuition so if they accept you they find a way for the finances to work it's a private school but um, 84th off columbus right yeah what's that 84th off columbus yeah they yeah. moved there they used, they used to be on the east side on okay. east 90, 96th street and i lived across the street from there as a kid and my dad taught at the school oh, so it was it felt it was a school but it felt like an extension of of my family and 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 one of the tenets of the school was that uh there is to be no minorities in terms of the makeup of the classes so um i was white but i wasn't it wasn't like 80% white and 20% latino and black it was like it was you nice. know there were white kids yeah. black kids latino kids some some filipino and asian kids but and that's that was the first 8 years of my life um and can we get that back Is well, there a way to get that back? You, you got to go amazing. you got to go there. Yeah. <laughs> um but you know it's uh you know with within that you know I I knew that like I lived on 96th street and uptown from 96th street was the hood. Yes. And I, and that's yeah and so and some of my friends were from there but like I didn't really want to go there because I knew like I was like a soft white boy <laughs> from the up from the edge of the upper east side and uh, but you know my father kind of insisted that i go to neighborhoods that i might be afraid of going to to hang out with my friends and like literally he would he would take me to harlem and like drop me off at my friend's house like <laughs> ring the bell you know okay, you the parents would come to the own. door <laughs> like bye and like <laughs> and i was like there for the weekend like sometimes it was like i'd end up in like going to church on a sunday like uh, and like i was never did not grow up religious yeah. kind of weirded me out being in church yeah, yeah, like yeah. oh my god like <laughs> baptist church on a sunday or like Doug the music though but, yeah yeah but, but, but it was just, it, and that was you know but 
those are the things that kind of made me that made me uh, not have any inhibition in terms of uh, going after what I wanted when I was like 17, 18, 19. Like, oh, I want to be a DJ. I want to, and you know, that meant going to going to record stores and like in Flatbush and and traveling to different neighborhoods to to get records and to meet you know aspiring uh, producers and, and whatnot. And you know. In hindsight, I, I was like, "Wow, maybe I was a little bit crazy," but it, it wasn't. It was just how I was socially conditioned, and also, like to your point about looking at photographs of you, like being like the only person of color in like this sea of white people. Like, you might, you know, as a as a black person, you you probably grew up in. Or, or, I'm not sure when you, at what age you. I mean, did you you move to Sweden or you were yeah, born in Sweden? I adopted very early when I was three years old. So it's your whole your whole, your whole life, yeah. So you 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 grew up in that. Whereas for me, like I'm in a as a white guy in New York City, like it's a multicultural city, but I also I'm part of like the quote unquote dominant culture, right? So that gives you the luxury to like to 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 kind of go into other cultures as you want, like a la carte. Whereas if you're black in New York, you have your you have your black community, but you're also within uh, uh, a, a larger culture that is white. Thank and you like, for acknowledging. And you don't have you don't Incredible. have the choice. Whereas, like Incredible. I, I had the privilege of having it or not having it. Right? It's it's a little bit different. And and I remember like I thought about being in these in these spaces where I was the only black uh, only white guy. And like, but all you see for me, all I saw was black. Like, there were no mirrors around. Be like, oh look at me, white guy. I was like, this is and and it's it's kind of cool to have that experience like and and uh and you know at, for a time being when i was like maybe like one of like five white people you know in a space in hip-hop yeah in it's New York uh, hip-hop in it, total <laughs> you know it was that was a privilege as well and then as things changed over time you know i, I was the guy who'd be like ah too many white dudes here. <laughs> <laughs> no, also knowing like eventually that enjoying that, the exclusiveness <laughs> of being the only one. That, yeah, that, yeah. that my radio show was this um, invitation to a lot of a lot of people, a lot of white people, a lot of young white people. It was an invitation because it wasn't an explicit invitation; it was an implied invitation. Because by me being who I was. A lot of people saw it and be like, "Oh, you know what? Can you can be in this." And um, I think that's one of the that's one of the kind of uh, uh, legacies of of our radio show. And you know, you know, for better or for worse, yeah. wh whatever. <laughs> Stretch. I just, you know, for me, it's really big just sitting here speaking with you. Here, just hearing your voice like amplified through a mic live in the room is something. It's impossible to kind of overstate uh, uh, the impact that uh, the, the Stretch Armstrong show had, you know, yours and Bobito's show, um, on just us, even all the way over in Sweden, you know. Um, when I saw your documentary that came out in 2015, uh, a Radio That Changed Lives. Yes, Stretch and Bobito Radio That Changed Lives, directed by... Bobito Garcia, gotta give my brother yeah, all the props. And it's, it's, uh, it's he, was, he was invited, but uh, he can't be here tonight. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's here in spirit. He's, he's here, here in here. spirit. We, we but, rep each other. But yeah, when I sure. saw that, I I literally cried. And I me too. I called some of my friends, and I was just like, 
guys, we have to, I just saw the, the Stretch and Bobito documentary. We have to all get together and see it. And everybody was like, yes, when can we? And, you know, a few days later, we all saw it again. And it was, I mean, because the title, Radio That Changed Lives, is so true, you know. What you guys the did there. The longest title for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it you know, you know, you guys started in 1990, uh, 31 years ago, at a small, at up at Columbia, uh, so small local radio station, but it literally uh, emanated and went across the globe. I yeah. would bring tapes back when I had been visiting my family in New York. I was up every Thursday night, and it was between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. on Thursdays. Oh, so, so it's a good hour. Like a so really, it's a good hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Convenient, so like convenient. you knew that Friday you were going to be really tired, but you also knew that you had to be awake for the whole show because at any moment, Stretch could drop a new record that you'd never heard before, and that was your way to access new music. You were, you were one of those guys, like there's like British guys, Swedish guys, some Dutch, some Danish... Japanese, yeah, probably print, little of Japanese. bit of French. These, this like these guys from all over the world are like obsessed with hip hop. They'd come to New York and just marinate in it for like two weeks. They'd go yes. sneaker shopping. They'd go, yeah, yeah the starter yeah, hats, 100%. the jackets, tape all the radio up, shows by the mixtapes on yeah. Canal Street. Yeah, and yeah, then go yeah. back with like. And, and, but, Everything, and that's how and we're super spreaders, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's how we spread spread hip hop culture. Yeah, but yeah. I take soon, man. Yeah, yeah. No, but I I bring I bring uh, cassette tapes with me back and copy, you know, th make thirty copies for my friends, and that's how they'd hear of like. But we take different things from this, right? The way what you choose is as your profession. So you studied, I studied just from a fan point of view, right? But I take. So many different things from this because, first of all, hip hop today is global, right? Jason brought basically hip hop to Sweden, him and a couple of other people, and made it local, like not just hip hop from America, hip hop in Sweden, and then Jason added his accent. So now it was okay for Swedish rapper to go, not just in Swedish, no, are you southern, are you local, right? But what that has in common for me is two things. Like, A, whatever you're passionate about, go for it. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to get the best hour. But regardless, if you do it really, really well, it's going to be this thing that flips everything, right? Because when your show raise, essentially becomes the gatekeepers of hip-hop, what we know today as... Wu-Tang, we see Wu-Tang in the movie, and it's amazing, right? They came, they had to drop their album and come to the studio to see you guys. Before Jay-Z is Jay-Z billionaire today, he had to come and see you. Method Man had to come and see you. I mean, we, the list goes on. You can tell the list, and you can tell the list a thousand times better than me. Nas, everything, right? They all have to come. These are icons for us today, but also not all the other icons in America and New York. There are also icons in Ethiopia, in hip-hop in Japan, in hip-hop in northern Sweden. So that thing that you and Bob did really has transcended pop culture forever. And that's, that's fucking incredible. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what? 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 Like, at what point did you and Bobito realize that what you were doing up at 
you know, uh, up yeah. at Columbia was like going worldwide? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think we really understood the full, uh, the reality until social media came about, really. So um, recently then, actually. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. knew that, like, our tapes were being sold, you know, we, we were in, uh, we were in Tokyo once, and I, I've been to Japan 29 times, Bob, Bob a little less, but, like, we were there together one time in the 90s, and... We went to Manhattan Records and like there's a whole wall yes. of stretching by stretching Bobito <laughs> tapes. Bootlegs. <laughs> well, they were all Tape Kings, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a company here in New York. Yeah, so, yeah. so funny. So, we we got back to get back to New York, and then Tape Kings was they were bootlegging mixtapes, but they were also trying to be a legitimate label. So, ta- dude from Tape Kings came to our show one time with with an artist that he was putting out, and I'm DJing, so I can't really talk to anybody, yeah. but. Bob pulled pulled the dude aside. He's like, "Look, I know you came up here. It's you know two in the morning, and you traveled, but uh, you're not really not welcome here until you do the right thing. You yes. owe, you owe me and stretch yeah. a, a lot of money for. We saw the tapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so um, he handled that, and he 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 gave us a check, but it was like based yeah. on what, like just yeah. an imaginary number, like. Yeah. Um, Don't but, ask any more questions. But, like, but, but all it. like the 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 typical. Uh, Places we knew that we were popping, and like you know, in in the UK, in France, in in Northern Europe, and and in Japan. But after our movie came out and social media, like people were like jumping out of the cake, like, yeah. yo, we're in Bolivia, yo, we're in Romania, yes. We're, yes. yo, we're, yes. yo, I was in China. I was like, we were like, what? Like we had no idea. Wow. Um, and you know, amazing. To yeah, but it, there's something to say. I mean, I was just listening to it before I came down here, but. The, the freestyle of Biggie Smalls, like the first time basically anyone in the world outside of his neighborhood, I yeah. guess, or outside yeah. of the yeah, city yeah, yeah, yeah. ever heard yeah. him was on your radio show. And this is an artist that then went on to be, I would say, the first like bona fide superstar uh, 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 rapper, you know, in tandem with Tupac, I guess. But the first to sell more than 10 million records. Yeah, I mean, he was, was, he was the, I mean, certainly the. And the, was, the first they, crossover artist. From, yeah. I mean, like you could argue that you know, and the King Run of D- New York, Run DMC Run was DMC, in yeah. the eighties. Well, but, yeah. but how, like, how did that come about? Like, how did you guys uh, manage to get him on the show and even have like the yeah? The I mean, the, be the, like, ah, oh, this guy should. The come industry past. back then was it was small, and you know there were there were there were a handful of labels, and of course, major labels were were trying to get in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they 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 had been you know since since the the dawn of hip hop. I mean you know Mercury Mercury Records put out Curtis Blow. So major yeah. labels have always been trying to exploit the culture. Um, but in terms of labels where there were real people that were from the culture trying to trying to advocate for like you know real artists, um, there weren't that many that many people, and and there weren't that many. Uh, journalistic outlets and of course the source magazine was yeah. one of them yeah and and we had like this you know synergistic relationship with the source so bobito wrote for the source in addition to mm. working at def jam as a promotions guy and and i guess he was being brought in to, to do a and r although i don't yeah. think that anything that he ever brought in was ever uh was ever signed uh so you know 
you know, we all, you know, we we knew the guys at the source. Of course, I, I said, like I said, Bob had the first sneaker column ever yeah. in the source, and um, and there was a there was a column called Unsigned Hype, with, mm-hmm. which Maddie C mm-hmm. wrote, and Maddie was the dude that that discovered Biggie through a tape that I believe was submitted to Unsigned Hype, and he brought the tape to Puffy. Yeah. And through the neighborhood, Biggie and Mr. C, who was yep. Big Daddy Kane's DJ, exactly. um, they had already sort of mm-hmm. you know, struck up a relationship. But Maddie was like the guy that started making it happen. And, and uh, you know, when, whenever anyone that, that was kind of like one of those kind of uh, conduits to make things happen um, discovers an unknown talent, you, you just try to like make things happen for them because it, it, some, it wasn't always about, oh, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this guy and, and, and make a lot of money. It was like, uh, you know, a lot of us were really young and just yeah, wanted to game. help guys out. Yeah, love the game. Because yeah. this guy was the shit. So, yeah. um, I guess so, kind of instantly recognizable. Right. So, like- so Maddie brought, brought him to Puffy because he knew Puffy was starting his own label. Mm-hmm. He was leaving Andre Tuck- Harrell at Uptown, Uptown to start Bad Boy. Yeah. Um, but he also had them come up to to the show um and we already knew mr c like mr c was already a legend as as kane's dj um but that's how that's how biggie ended up there because if maddie was like yo i got someone needs to come up like we knew that was going to be flavors so biggie came up and um it was actually uh the week after we played biggie's demo on the radio now bob had this idea to have Demo battles on the radio where he'd play two nice, songs. Nice. And That's then a good idea. Mm. It's it's really not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. It's not, <laughs> and you'll see why. So, <laughs> so Bob's like, oh, we, we, we're gonna play uh, uh, Biggie Smalls uh, demo, and then we're gonna play some cats from the Bronx called the Bronx Zoo. Yeah, oh, and we're gonna see. Yeah. It's We're going to see who, beef. Yeah, yeah, who's yeah. going to win. And, yeah. and I think like the Bronx Zoo guys just had, they may have known what was going on because maybe one of their boys had heard it. Or yeah, yeah. Maybe Biggie's boys were just like out on the block yeah. like, hustling or whatever. But, yeah. you know, Bob did a very unscientific survey like <laughs> among like 10 calls. Like, <laughs> call us to, like, yeah, 10 people called up and like, Seven voted for the Bronx Zoo because maybe like those seven people were from the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. Right? Or, or like, the Bronx members Zoo. of yeah, the yeah, band. Oh, I'm from the yeah. Bronx. It's got to be the Bronx seven Zoo. Seven one eight yeah. Bronx. Yeah. So Biggie lost. Oh. So when he came up the next week, he was really salty and had yeah, yeah. something to prove. And he says it. Yes. If you leave, he's like, "Yo, I got something for those Bronx Zoo cats." Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and another friend of mine who was doing promotions for <laughs> Arista because Bad Boy had a deal through Arista. He was like, "Yo, I was on." This bus we rented to do a, a a tour, a radio tour up and down to bring to bring Biggie like to college and community and 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 commercial mix shows. Mix shows are like that that in in the early in early to mid nineties. There was really no such thing as hearing hip hop live on the radio in the daytime like you do now. It was Friday nights and Saturday nights oh. or Thursday nights in our case where a DJ would play rap music because in the daytime. It wasn't allowed. That it was, was like, what? About Rap on the... Like, no. I mean, we live in a very different <laughs> world right now. And so my man was like, yo, Biggie was so salty that he lost. Like, he was he was legit angry. And that's why you and Bob are not thanked 
in the long list <laughs> of, of thank yous. It was a bad idea. I think it was a bad idea. Yeah, I was like, Damn. oh, like like you read you read the thank yous because a couple like, of years had gone from that until the album comes. Right? Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm not two years or something. Yeah. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It was I, yeah, love he, it, he, I love it. I love it. It was like yeah, bitter dot com. But I mean, at least nobody thinking. rolled up to the studio with no, like, like, you yo, know, with no, that was Wu Tang. Yeah, they did yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what was the big? Because there's so many bigots, and it's really hard to put this in context. But like, I want to know when was the moment for yourself, where, like you were just blown away, like when a young Nas comes in or a young Jay Z. Or big L, or some a big L, someone that we actually don't know. That was like this blew you away. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, people people always ask us like, what were your fa- what were your favorite moments? And like, most of them are are highlighted in in our documentary. Um, you know, if if I had to redo the film, like I'd probably include Mob Deep a little bit more. Oh, wow, yes, just because they're I think they're they're like indelibly associated with with our show i mean yeah they first came up as poetical prophets they weren't mm-hmm. even mob deep yet and they were they were kids i mean you mm-hmm. there's a slide in our documentary it says mob deep but they weren't even mob deep then and like they, they must be like 13 and 14 years old i mean they're they're babies mm. killing it but still babies yeah and um and I mean, I tried to sign them back then to yeah. to uh, Big Beat Records, which was the independent label that Craig Kalman, who's now the chairman of Atlantic, had. I worked for him as a 19 year old, um, so I I went way back with them, and and like so, there's like a, a mob deep thread yes. through my 90s career, and like right. as like as they kind of splashed harder and harder, so did we. There's a parallel there, and they they would kill the station when they would come up, wow. and they always bigged us up. Whenever they did interviews and whatnot, so um, that's one. That's not one moment, but that's one yeah, uh, a group. Um, and I mean, really, I think the highlight for us was like the second time Nas came because the first time he came was in 1991, and Bob wasn't even at I the didn't station. Know that. I didn't know that. He came up with Akinelli and Lord Finesse and mm-hmm. and ripped it. Um, and then the second time he came up was like you know. We already knew like who he was and what this meant, mm-hmm. so it was like a big deal for him to come up. But when he first came up, like he he had already had that verse on live at the barbecue, mm-hmm. and the fact that Bob couldn't be there was like a big deal for Bob. He was like, I cannot believe I'm not going to be there for this because, I mean, can you imagine hearing an artist you never heard of heard of just one verse and knowing that he was like like rock him two point yeah. mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. That's the waving automatic guns at nuns, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. you know there yeah. there there was a you know this is pre digital, sure. pre like explosion of information. So everything was a lot more measured and slow, and 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 every every kind of uh, taking in of of a song or whatever. Like yeah. it was a it was a it, it was a bigger deal, and it, and it lasted longer. So like that verse. That Nas did on live at the barbecue was like was huge. It yeah, was a big deal, and and yeah, not uns- this unsigned dude like he'd come up and like we'd be like, "Yo, Nas is coming!" Like we'd be little and he's like, eighteen, shook. nineteen at the time, maybe. Um, he in, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't young. know. I mean, yeah. in he's young in ninety one, he probably was like seventeen yeah. or mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, and then he he revealed to us in the documentary that 
he wrote a lot of Illmatic listening to our radio yes, show. Of course. That, mm. that really was like, what? Mm. So I have to bring what? that back because yeah. at the same time, and again, Jason is now making big decisions because you now, like, you're working already in the industry. You're trying to figure out what's based. Like, what's happening well, with you not, at that Well, not point? at that point. Come on, no, tell no, me what's going no, on. But at that Sweden, point, 96, I, I know, 95. Oh, 95, but 91, I'm still in no, school. No. But the thing is, what you're saying is also so true because in the pre-digital world, and especially being in one of the corners of the world, like, we'd hear maybe through a three-month-old copy of The Source that had arrived at a local news vendor that, you know... I saw the unsigned hype with Biggie, but I still hadn't, you know, heard it. And but we would hear of it. I don't know how, you know, there'd be some DJ maybe in Copenhagen who knew of something or who had something, mm -hmm. and a tape would, you know, circulate. But just from hearing about that, a new like when Nas dropped halftime, that hearing that that song was out and waiting maybe four months to actually get to hear it was yeah. crazy. There is a song like in New York we, But we'd literally make it be here. willing to go to another country, yeah. like to, to Denmark, to try and find it. Maybe, not even having the money to be able to buy it, but to just listen to it in the record store. Uh, so like searching for music and information uh, uh, about this culture that we were so drawn to was a, like a full-time yeah, uh, endeavor. These yeah. are the rituals that 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 kind of like inform the whole experience and mm -hmm. and I, I think i mean taping the radio was what anyone that was into this did for a, for for yes. years i mean yes. until until the internet that's you yeah. did that yeah. and um yeah and i think um you know i think we've the 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 advent of like digital technology and the internet has has changed so much, and one of the things I think we, we explore in our film is you know what what we gave up for it, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great to be able to have like random access to any song in the world, and to and to and to be able to oh yo Marcus look check this song and yeah. send it to you. But I think the 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 lack of ritual True. has has kind of cheapened. Yeah, everything. It, makes, it makes everything much more like ephemeral or temporary. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's uh yeah, it's um, But how I also want to ask you expendable. Yeah, I mean I remember buying, you know, when I was on one of these uh, kind of pilgrimages to New York where I had, you know, saved up but still a limited amount of money. I, I made what I realized when I came back was a wrong decision. I bought a canine posse album <laughs> and I came home and I was like this is not great, you know, but it is a hip hop record. I listened to that album until like I knew the lyrics and, and liked it, you and, and, know. And at what point did you I, realize it was no good? Well, What's I, going I, I, on? From the first listen, but I listened to it until it worked, you know. I just like, there was no, you know. Hey guys, the canine posse, <laughs> your friends were like, no, what's no. going on? You oh, they had never heard. There's like, we haven't heard of them, yeah. you know. We know who KMD is, but not this other yeah. record that you got. That was like, a mistake. You're, but, you're, yeah. you're, uh, you, you appreciate your No, honesty. but it was just like, I, I, you know, you'd live with a record for, for a long time. You wouldn't like, you're, you know, yeah. Yeah. In, the, in this age of algorithms where, companies and com you know computer software measuring the skip rates on tracks to get us to be even more efficient or on Netflix about how culture is produced you know um, 
I mean, even though I didn't like the Canine Posse album, my skip rate was really low because I was like listening to it until this is one of the nine records that I own. I'm going to listen to this shit, you know? So, um, so <laughs> I want to, one of the things that I always admire about you is that, first of all, you're in a New Yorker, you live a full life. We love both, we both love the game of tennis. Uh, we are, we're living in New York, but okay, I would, I would say, ten, it, like, this is, looks like a formidable. Oh, no, like, oh, the like funny thing is, is like, the funny thing is, the, my, first, my first interaction with you ever yeah. 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 was that that uh, <laughs> Swedish ping pong Please. thing. Ooh. Okay, yeah, yeah, and yo, Marcus, first of all, he, yeah, he's he, fast, he just yo, he. It was doubles. He destroyed my team. <laughs> I was like, yo, Marcus is nasty. And then we both yeah, ended yeah. up in Jamaica together. Yeah, and he we're takes like, no prison Let's play tennis. I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> that we played. Yeah, I'm better at tennis than, than ping pong. Yeah, but um, no. you were a lot friendlier one-on-one -on -one in Jamaica than, oh my God. than at that, uh, oh, at that ping pong match. Because he was like, he's he was cold-blooded. My man yeah. was cold. I was like, no. yo, this guy is ruthless. No, yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> good, you got me. You, good, know, you good. don't play soccer. You made a black man blush live. I love that. That's good. 
And now you moving on, the industry of hip hop, the industry of music is transforming like unbelievable, right? Crazy. How did you find your footage? What was those years in the early 2000s, digital, all that stuff? Yeah. How was that? Yeah, my, I mean, my, my, <laughs> my story. All right. One of, I think one of the things about me that, that endears me to people that, that are interested in me um, is that I'm, uh, I've always been really honest with myself and with what I do. I've never been able to fake it. And it's probably why I'm not very wealthy because I have friends that have a much higher tolerance to be uh, around things that make them money but don't mean much to them. And, and yeah. I have no tolerance for that at all. Um, and, uh, you know, so by 2001, I was, you know, I was, I, I was on... So in addition to 89.9 WKCR, the station that, that I was on that had this show that meant so much to so many people and, and still does. We were also invited to be on Hot 97 starting in 1995. Hot 97 was a new station that entered the marketplace and was going to be kind of the, the guinea pig of mainstream hip-hop and R&B in a major metropolitan area. And um, there were people that Hot 97 was developing relationships with and they were basically saying to Steve, the 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 program director who who basically looked like Sammy Hagar, uh, like a California dude with like really tight blonde curls. Like, how is this dude in New York City programming a hip hop station? Yo, yeah, yo, 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 and um, say no more. Yeah, or do do. this is the foundation on which Hot ninety seven was built. Yeah, yo. So um. They were telling him, like, yo, you, you can't call yourself the home of hip-hop if, like, Stretch and Bob aren't on the radio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we ended up doing a Sunday night show, and it was, uh, it was weird, mm. you know. It was cool to bring our flavor to a big platform like that and sure. to play a lot of the music we, mm. we liked. But it, it eventually, you know, the, the, the culture started changing, the music started changing, Bob and I's taste started really diverging. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we were basically a married couple that started getting sick of each other. And we parted ways when, uh, you know, when I didn't really, really even want to go up all the way uptown mm -hmm. to do a show from one to five in the morning. I was DJing in clubs a lot, making more money. Like mm -hmm. Thursday night was like a great night yeah. to be out and, and playing music. Do you think? You know, before the, before the horrible weekend mm -hmm. came around where you like, you really like, it's harder to make money and play cool music on a Friday and Saturday. Mm. So uh, we split ways, and then I was doing Sundays on Hot 97 by myself and just kind of going through the motions for like three years. And, and I mean, I was, keep it real, I was, I was miserable doing that radio show, but wow. I also knew I was on the radio in New York City. Like, you can't just quit that. Like, At a huge platform. Yeah, don't yeah. Be, you can't yeah. be like a spoiled dude. And, and I just did it until I think... Uh, the the station the boss at the station was like this guy's just not he's not having fun like wow. let's get someone in some someone else in there who's gonna be more aligned with mm -hmm. what the station's about meaning is gonna play music on at night that has more to do with what we're doing in the daytime yeah yeah and um so I was relieved when I get I got let go um and. 
for uh, for many years after that, I was like on some other shit. Wow. Yeah, like like because of my reputation, I was still getting flown like around the world to DJ, but I would show up and play music that would have the promoters and patrons really scratch their head like, yo, what? (laughs) (laughs) There was no social media, so it's not like I had this ongoing dialogue with people. It was more like, oh, yo, Stretch is coming. Like, oh, yeah, that dude from the radio. And I would show up and I'd be playing like, some other shit and they'd be like yo <laughs> what's going and, and that lasted for like two years until yeah. like people understood that like I'm not gonna give them what yeah. they want and mm. and then you know that led to like you know you know several years of like stretch in the wilderness just mm. like wow. being like oh I really fucking shot myself in the foot here cause you know it's easy to like make money and be like oh I'm I'm not about the money. And then when the money goes away, you're like, I'm about the money. That's my point. I need to live. I'm in New York City. That shit is expensive. Like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I eventually, um, you know, I eventually changed my attitude and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and went to work and started, you know, DJing and, in you know, multiple nights in New York City again. And, um, but, but while this was happening, enough time had gone by that like that era that I was so associated with became uh it was far enough in the past where uh it it meant something else it wasn't it it didn't it wasn't like contemporary culture anymore it was Mm -hmm. more like an era in time that had passed that was unique and that that was almost like a separate genre from contemporary hip-hop mm. and like as as the 2000s progressed this meant this this that dynamic was more and more true to the point where we we end up in like the 2010s where where hip-hop like what what people know as hip-hop is aesthetically and uh dogmatically thematically a totally different thing than the music that that the, the hip hop that we came up with. Yes, and and that you know put me in a funny place because you know when when you're young and you're involved in like really progressive even revolutionary culture, you believe that like change is the thing. Change, mm-hmm. you're the underdog. Now fuck all that shit. Yeah, We're yeah, gonna yeah. do it this way. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself like middle aged or a little bit younger than middle aged, be like, oh no, like. W- like the the blueprint that we laid down, like that's a, what what young people should be into, and and you know I wrestled with that, mm. and then you know then you come out and I'd be like, no, like young people they have their own thing, mm-hmm. and they can appreciate this if they want to, mm. but they don't have to. They they've got I mean like they don't have to like who are we to yeah. like tell young people that you know what good they luck can, with that. they can't do they <laughs> good luck care. with that it's gonna work out real good they don't even care, yeah, they don't even care. and yeah, like yeah. and but you know the world is a big place and. And just as they get to benefit from the internet, like so do we. Like a lot of young people discover, yes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, '80s hip hop and '90s hip They discover Kinda. Stretch and Bobito, and they fall yes. in love with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's there's room for everything. And and then ultimately, like that period of of wilderness, which was followed by like me having to struggle, like to be like this this guy that's like you know recognized as a 
as an influential guy, like some people like, oh, yo, you're, you're a legend. Like you're an icon, like whatever. I'm, I'm saying that in that voice because I don't really, no, like, but it, I don't it talk is. about myself like no, that. But, 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 but it but doesn't be, have to be in that voice also because it is, you know. It's yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. thank you. You could say it. Yeah, yeah. But to be that guy and yeah. to yeah. also be like, yo, I got to like, I got to hit the pavement and like yeah. start to make it happen again. No. And, and I lived in New York during that time and I remember going to, going to Nels or, or going to the tunnel, going to places like that and I know when you and, you and, Sometimes you're rolling by yourself, or sometimes you're with your friends, or sometimes you're with Bob, or whatever. And like, I was like, there's no way I could even say hi, but I knew you were in the room. It's like, oh, the, it was a great night. Stretch was in the room. I was like, mm. what did he say? Nothing. Did you talk to him? <laughs> no, but he was in the room. It's like, yeah. I was out. I was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm from Gothenburg in Sweden. I was in the same club mm-hmm. as <laughs> Stretch. You know, yeah. it's like, and what did he say? It's like, what do you wear? I was like, oh, he had his fly sneakers on. That's it. Who did he talk to? I don't know. But that was enough for me to be out. I was like, oh, my night was done. So, yeah, thank you. That's how nerdy I was. So, anyway, anyway. And, and, then, and then ultimately, like, Bob and I, we, we, made, we made our film. Yes. And that led to uh, he and I being invited to, uh, to do a podcast for NPR for Amazing. two seasons. And our guests were uh, Dave Chappelle, Rakim, Black Thought, Beastie Boys, Mahershala yes. Ali, Rosie yes. Perez, Stevie Wonder, Lenny Kravitz. Uh, I mean, we, we really... Yes, Regina King. We we killed that podcast. It was it was it was a part of this uh, this push by NPR to, to to develop a a more diverse audience in terms of race, in terms of age, because like the average NPR listener is like a like a forty seven year old white guy, and um, or could, a black man. <laughs> Those interviews are incredible, by the way. Incredible. Yeah, no, no. Was we, it only interview based, or was it also it was, play, like playing? No, music? it was interview based. And then okay. at the la- at the end of the show, uh, he and I Plays would each play a song for our guests, and yeah. we talk about about yeah. what what the song meant. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we toured the world, uh, showing our film, doing Q and As, and and really like you know sparked. Uh, the interest of like a of a new generation in in what we did, um, you know. Of course, Amazing. you know culture always reverberates like that. Like the, you know, the, everyone's into the '90s now, so yeah. we're a part of that kind of reexamination, and um, and it's crazy that you know we celebrated our 31st what? anniversary of our first show last yeah. week, and like Bob and I, like we still do a lot of stuff together, and mm. it's it's. So That's are incredible. Doing, are you working on a show together today? We're on, we're on. We have a show on Apple Music called wow. Stretch and Bobito Radio okay, every I other week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People yeah. are so. Um, you know, you could you can listen to Apple Music live for free. No one, mm. no one knows that. Um, mm. And you can also subscribe to Apple Music and listen to the archive. Clark Kent's on. DJ Spinner's on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and for the price of a K9 Posse cassette, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you can you can get all that. You can, yeah, yeah. You can subscribe and for one month like, and then see yeah. if you like it or not. I was actually was, with yeah. 30, you talk about 30, I was actually with Vin from Naughty, Naughty by Nature last night. Wow. I told him I was hanging with you if we see you today and it's like, we just turned 30 this year, but we couldn't celebrate it because yeah, it was exactly. like... exactly. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and uh, I said, I might run into stress to, tomorrow. And he's like, oh, say what's up. Oh, cool, 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 looks cool, good. Cool, he's cool. good. But are oh. you still, like, in 2021, do you still DJ at clubs? Or is that... Well, not now, no. uh, but I, I didn't... I mean, other than the pandemic. But yeah, no, I, I still... The pandemic. I, I love DJing. Yeah. I love it. When mm. everything is right at a gig, it's like, I'm just the happiest dude. Uh, I have a friend Heidi who has this Instagram account called account called Friends from New York, 
and she threw a party in LA with, and, and I think a lot of the people that showed up were were people that were from New York that, yeah. that live in LA. Um, they've got to stick together because LA is a, a horrible place, <laughs> and, um, and people from LA are horrible. So you, yeah, yeah. if there are other New Yorkers, you got to hang yeah, out. Yeah, you with have them. to get them together. And, um, yeah. and so, and then she did one uh, at the Roof Lounge um, at the Graduate Hotel on Roosevelt Island, yes. and like five hundred people showed up yeah. in wow. masks. Yeah. And she said, "Hey, you, you want to do a Friends from New York party outdoors at the South Street Seaport?" On the pier, Sick. I said, "Of course I do," and that was two, that was was it last weekend? It was last weekend. Yeah, mm. and um, so early in the night, like uh, Ellie Escobar, another f- incredible DJ, he's playing before me. This guy comes up to me. He's like, "Yo, Stretch, I haven't seen you DJ since Mars. <laughs> Yo, Mars closed in, in 1991. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, old school. What are you doing? Old I school. Love but yeah. uh, the the crowd that showed up was 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 like I mean it was incredible. It it was there were so many people that I haven't seen. Yes. Not because of COVID, just because we stopped going to clubs every yeah. night. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, five hundred people showed up, and I literally was transported back wow. to like my twenty five year old self, where like multiple times a week I w- I felt like I was at the center of the universe playing. Yeah the best new music for like mm. the coolest people in the coolest city. And it was incredible. This was just last week. Yeah. Had the nice. Literally one of the best DJ experiences that I've had in 10 years. And I'm wow. sure coming out of COVID has, has had a lot to do with that as well. So, um, so keeping about, ev- talking about evolving two things. We want to claim you as Swedes. We stretch this. So now you're also a Swede, right? right? Tell us about the Swedish connection. Yeah. And tell us about your daughter, how that changed your life. Well, so, so um, I, I don't want to give a lot of attention to this, but, but I, in 1995, I dated a Swedish girl in New York. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, You're not unique by that, actually. I would like to say <laughs> that's unique, but it's actually... Okay. If you thought it was interesting. She yeah, was, yeah. Her, her father was Ethiopian and her mother was Swedish. And um, you know that was uh, that was a short-lived thing. And then um, in the two thousands, uh, uh, a really dear friend of mine to this day, Alex Strell, mm-hmm. who lived, he was like a hip hop industry operator in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, he moved back to Sweden, and he flew me to Stockholm to DJ uh, a party, and. You know, he was promoting it, so he he invited his friends down, and he invited he he introduced me to a, a, a lovely young woman named Monica, and I was like, "Wow, this girl's beautiful." <laughs> and Monica eventually moved to New York, and and I remember being at uh, David Perez's house and studio, Shay, aka Shady. He's a, a photographer. A, a, a video director um, and just a, like one of these like New York characters who knows everybody and and if you don't know him you should know him and uh, he had a bunch of f- photos on his wall of like you know models and things he was working on and I <laughs> I discreetly took a photograph of the wall because there was a picture of Monica on it and I wanted a picture of her yeah. but I was acting like oh this is 
Shady, I really like your work. Let me <laughs> <say>. <laughs> uh, and so Monica moved to New York, and I would bump into her like like every year. Mm-hmm. But I always had a girlfriend. She always had a boyfriend. And, and also, I'd also be, be really nervous every time I'd see her. Yeah. I remember once I, I ended up at, at uh, what's called Lifetime, the health food, health food store on on uh, 6th Avenue between, was it 8th and 9th Street or 9th? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're in the produce section, like for like feeling uh, fruits and vegetables, and Monica's right there. I'm like squeezing a, a melon, like staring at her, like I don't know what to say. Yeah. And it's funny because because you know now she'd be like, oh my god, you were so weird. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You barely talked to me. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, I, I didn't know what to say. And then you know through the you know we're talking about the the bad things about the internet. The good thing is I was I was able to reach out to her via Instagram mm-hmm. and I, I knew she was single, I was single, and we ended up at uh at Coachella. Amazing. Um and uh and hung out that weekend and she was surprised that I actually could speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You weren't and, squeezing any fruit. And, and, and she like, liked she liked what uh what I had to say. Fruit. And literally like I went back to California another time and then and then, you know, like my dad uh, importing my mom from Poland, I, I imported her from Los Angeles. We've been together ever, ever since, and we welcomed our baby girl, Naima. Congratulations. Uh, in April, um, our uh, Venezuelan, man. Swedish, uh, Polish, Jewish, New Yorker. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah man. Yes. Congrats. Yeah. That's an amazing <laughs> story. So, Jason, we, we have to... And this is a time where you guys are Swedish but living in New York, so... Pick the New York side. Now is the time to ask Stretch, Jason, or myself any question. We're here. Mm. We're here for it. Anything about uh, anything you have anything to say. Anything about anything. Anything yeah. about you. Exactly. Yeah. But we, before we go there, I just want to say thank you so much. You've been a major force in both of our lives for a long time. And the journey about passion, the journey about making choices, alternative the choices that you made put you in this position where you are today. And uh, your journey is so inspirational. And we really appreciate you. Thank you for everything you've done for the Thank culture, you. Yeah. Thanks, the yeah. people you inspired well, throughout it, the world. It means a lot coming from you guys. Thank uh, you. You know, even bef- before we met, of course, you're, you know, you're... At the ping pong table. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I really uh, was, uh, you know, I, I've, I, I mean... Jokes aside, like my my grandfather took me to Aquavit. Oh wow! So yes. long ago. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I knew your story mm-hmm. fifteen years yeah. plus before um, before I saw you cool. slicing mm-hmm. and spinning those those ping pong balls <laughs> on the other <laughs> side of the table. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so yes, Bjorn, you got you. Are, we're going to put you in the position to ask the first question because. You are. You don't have a choice. You're part of the fam. There we go. So, uh, if you're not part of the fam, you can you, you can wait a little bit. But Bjorn has no choices. Yeah, no options. So, hello. All right. Thanks, man. Um, well, I Jason knows I have to ask this question. But what's your problem with LA? <laughs> <laughs> oh, LA. Um, don't get them started. I love going to LA because I have so many friends that live there. So I, you know, it's just to me, it's it's a it's a massive suburb, and I, who wants to live in the suburbs? I mean, there's I'm no, there's, I mean, New York. You, I, I could walk from I could walk from Soho 
to Red Rooster mm -hmm. and be like, seeing the world, bumping to friends and you know, see stuff I never saw before and. But I yeah. think that 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 thing is real for us New Yorkers, right? Like I was just with a chef friend a couple of days ago, and she's like, "I'm going to LA," and I feel so weird about it because it's awkward. Because in New York we're so socially connected, right? And we really had to put a plan. I said, "Call this person; she knows the best hikes. Call this chef; he does pizzas in his backyard." Yeah, I had to yeah. like break down a yeah. list of, and they were all New Yorkers mm -hmm. actually yeah, living yeah, yeah. in LA. I don't, right? I don't, I don't hate LA, and, and <laughs> LA people are not as horrible yeah, as he's it. just saying that. I just, lives there. I just would yeah. not want to live there yeah. uh, for more than uh, seven days. Um, but I have a lot of friends in LA that I love. Some, some, some of whom actually are from LA. Um, yeah, it's true. I'll admit it. Um, He's a liar. He's, we're friends. I'm from LA. Yes. Yeah. Do you hike when you're there? I have hiked. It's, it's yeah, a yeah. very LA thing yeah. to do. In Sweden, we just call it uh, a tom promenade, which is basically just walking. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. But a hike sounds like it. I'm always amazed by Americans yeah, say. We're going to go on a hike. Yes. It feels like we're going to go yes. mountain climbing. Yes. But you really mean we're just taking a walk. Yeah, I know. Uh, mountain climbing. Yeah. Relax. But they that's, love to do that in that's LA. That's not a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Climb a mountain. That's a hill. <laughs> it's an all incline. Right. All right. Um, thank you all. This is a great start for the weekend. So, so great way to spend a Friday afternoon uh, or evening. Um, so one question to you guys. But first, you um, is there... And oh, by the way, and I'm Norwegian. I'm not Swedish, so I okay. hope you don't hold that okay. against That's me. All right. yeah. That's all right. All right. That's all right. Yeah. Oh, snap! <laughs> whoa, wow. whoa! 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 Hey! <laughs> you know what? I don't have a question. No. Okay. No, no, no. Um, He's just so in ping stretch. pong mode. That's all. You know. Exactly. Um, has there ever been an artist that you guys? Or a rapper or whoever that you thought was going to be big but didn't. Mm, like that's a good you, question. Yeah, I mean there there are plenty and and uh, <laughs> yeah no really yeah. we we um you know our our show was uh, like it was people asked how did people get up there it was it was kind of either people came up there through a trusted source or. I would, we like to say it was like you know when you're when you're making documentaries you like to use these like fancy words like oh it's a meritocracy, um, <laughs> and uh, and but it, it kind of was I mean it, we wanted it to be we wanted sort of to highlight like the best of the best and you know sometimes some some weeks were better than others some people some artists had better performances uh, you know the first time maybe the second time wasn't there I mean I think one artist who I think uh, not only did we did we feel that like just based on who he was as a person and and what he did on our station, but also his his actual body of work mm -hmm. should have been uh, much um, should have should have been much more commercially successful is OC, mm. um, yeah. who's just like a a brilliant uh, you know. He's like really a craftsman when it comes to lyricism, and uh, you know he he, he spent so much time working on on what he did and and you know like the efficiency of language like there's nothing there's nothing in his in his lyrics that's just filler to like yeah. it's like everything has a meaning everything has a purpose and he picked really great beats and had great concepts and um yeah just one of those one of those one of those artists who you know i think you know why didn't why did someone like Nas pop off, but he didn't? You know I don't I don't know. I mean, there's so many variables that go into the success of, of a recording artist. You know, it's like 
there's there's so many things that can go wrong, and when they all go right, it's kind of like a mini miracle, you know. He's I mean, he's part of a, a crew called DITC, which is digging in the crates. Which mm -hmm. um, you know, that's like Diamond D, uh, Fat Joe, Buck Wild. It's yeah. like Lord Finesse, Big L. A, a lot of Lord, Fat Joe is the only dude from that camp that really you know became a, a, a legit pop star, and he'll st still do stuff with them. Uh, Buck Wild as a producer, you know, he's done some really big records and. And uh, Lord Finesse has like ghost produced like done, done stuff with Dr. Dre, but but check out OC. I mean, like his mm. his the albums nice. that he had on Wild Pitch are the ones I'm most familiar with. I mean, he's still recording. So, but I because I'm not I'm not immersed in in, in underground hip hop anymore. Like I don't know what he what he's done after 2001. But uh, his his album Jewels and there's, and there's another one. I mean, like they're they're Word great. Life. They're, yeah. Word Life. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Word Life and Jewels are like incredible uh, hip-hop but a beautiful part of hip-hop in the 90s was that like success to us the listeners and and fans was not measured in like commercial success so it really wasn't like it was almost adverse to how it is today that somebody was rich or was on the top of the billboard charts was not what was like the, the underground and like whatever artists we were hearing i mean I guess yeah. your radio show being the exception because you had artists that went on to, like Jay-Z, for example, to went on to still to this day be the most recognizable rapper on the, you know, But it wasn't the Earth, premise of the but, show but, at all. But like Obviously. Underground was way uh, uh, just like more interesting than... Sure. And, sure, and sure. I guess yeah. in the 90s too, the people who were commercially successful, oftentimes the quality was watered down and not really... As interesting as what, say, Mob Deep was doing, or you know, or OC for that matter. Sure, it's just yeah. you know when, but you know when when someone isn't popping enough mm. to maintain their career, to maintain their their ego, to uh, mm. and and I'm not suggesting that that's what was happening with OC. I just in general like uh, that struggle was mm. was really real, and like you know how how do you well, how do you find that balance between being able to make enough money sure. to feel like you're bettering your yeah, your place, true. but also um, not compromising what you do to to make that money, and um, and that's a that's a common that's a common story, um, probably all the time. That doesn't that doesn't end. Mm. Mona. So I would like to hear from the three of you your connection to the next generation, and well, for me, it's yeah, around it's sustainability. You know, I think as a chef with a platform, I think about the food and the movement. So how can I bring people together? Red Rooster was very much about, is very much about how can you define sort of race and culture and bring people together, right? And our next project in Chelsea will be about sustainability and contributing in a better way, right? Opening doors to new ways of how people can come to a restaurant and finding the intersection between delicious and sustainable. So for me, it's all about inclusion and sustainability and affordability through f the food lens. I think for me in Sweden, it's, it's basically just uh, uh, kind of showing, specifically I think young artists today who are open, who contact me and want to talk. I still feel kind of responsible for 
hip hop culture in Sweden and and like I wanted to yes, I sure. wanted to do well you know we had we had a bad week last week mm. you know one of Sweden's big yeah. yeah you heard, no, you know, even yeah. heard of it yeah and um, this young man Einar this kid you know 19 year old was uh, was shot and killed and uh, yeah so a lot of like especially this week there's been a lot of conversation in this week following that a lot of conversation around you know uh hip-hop culture and what it means and you know um for some people have been like well you know like and, and that's nothing new you know trying to place the blame on hip-hop or on hip-hop music even which is really ridiculous but that is also nothing new um you know we saw that in the 90s uh several times and you know here it is again um so it's it's a very kind of but it's and it's also a difficult discussion when you're talking to somebody who's 25 years younger than you and is just at the outset like it is also your right to make your own mistakes and and i don't know what your you know what your landscape looks like today or what it means to be 19 20 21 today or why it's important for you to talk about these things i mean hip hop culture has always been a mirror where artists kind of talk about the the environment that they find themselves in that doesn't mean that they're the reason for the environment being that way quite the contrary i would say you know um yeah bob and i uh separately and together have always made ourselves available to younger people anytime they invite us to speak or do whatever i mean whether it's the lower east side girls club where we've spoken and or you know doing workshops at at other schools on podcasting or, or whatever it's not doesn't really take up a lot of my time and it's more of a passive thing but i'm always available to to young people that maybe that that the, old, the older person that's uh running the show <laughs> might be interested or think that it's a good idea to bring us in but I'm I'm always delighted when when young people are are into what we did. Um, you know, I know when I was that age, we benefited from being into hip hop at a time when hip hop owed so much to what happened 20, 30, 40 years before it, right? Because all the inspiration, all the samples, all the music was old music. So there was this kind of uh DNA that was an essential component to hip hop, which, which a lot of people have lost because most hip hop now is not made with sampling old records. A lot of it is, but that's not what the average kid in in the world is going to think hip hop is. So to be able to even talk about that and and tell that story, I think is 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 worthwhile because that's. That is just one aspect of what made hip hop such a revolutionary and enthralling and magnetic music and culture. Well, stretch. I just want to say we, you know, we salute you. Thank yes. you. It's not enough. We salute you Thanks, for man. being the uh, pioneer that you still are. <laughs> I, I, I don't. And have I don't. Been Thirty-one I, years and counting. I, 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 I don't like to be called a pioneer. Oh uh, no, but because uh, but a, uh, uh, because a the spreader. actual pioneers do not get enough of True. the credit and and uh, an acknowledgement that 
that they deserve. But it took it took that passion of several generations to really build hip hop to what it was, and you were really active in that in that yeah, golden yeah, yeah. era, yeah. And, and that's what really pushed hip hop outside of just New York City and the United States or the tri-state area to to like. Yeah. Romania, Poland, yeah. <laughs> even Sweden, and, and China, and Ethiopia, and all these places. So in that sense, seen from, from a Swedish perspective. Thank you. But, I keep interrupting you every time. You try to, you, man. Every time you, you yeah. give me my accolades, <laughs> I interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> and well. thank you for coming on this moment. Absolutely. DJ Stretcher Armstrong. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. You did something for the first.